Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 21 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? Uh, dude, you know, you know, it's been one of them weird weeks, one of them weird weeks, but I have been uh, blown away when we were discussing about it. Uh, blown away by the absolute support we have received this week and the last few weeks on the videos on yeah. all the stuff we've been doing and it's we were a little taken aback because no, we... no 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 we weren't a little taken aback don't undersell this you said before before we started we are not used to having anyone view your stuff but this is a huge day <laughs> To that point, Joker and I have our own channels where we do some content creation as well. And for this one here, we're not used to folks checking out and, you know, giving us a chance and things of that nature. So, yes, I was no selling it a little bit, but that when I would stand in, yeah, man, we are absolutely, again, blown away, I think is a really good word and description for that, for all the support you guys have shown us. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's just been one of them weeks where I've been like, you know, feeling a bit tired, feeling a bit drained. And uh, whenever I kind of look at the stuff and been, we've been putting out this week, you know, Tony getting that, that editing on, which is really cool. Uh, and then seeing just the response, it really perked me up, really helped me out this uh, through this week. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome to see. Yeah, thank you again so much for the folks checking out the video forum on YouTube and the audio downloads on all of your various platforms. Again, just super appreciate it you guys are just been fantastic with the rent with the, the likes and the comments and the subscribing over on the, the video portion so again just nothing much more to say but we truly appreciate it and thank you so much indeed can't echo anything else all right well with that as a reminder you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabe council and an audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Bray Wyatt returns to WWE, and we look at the continued possible turmoil in the bloodline. But coming up first, Bray Wyatt returns to WWE. So, as folks are probably already aware, we had a massive return this past week at Extreme Rules, which was the man himself, which was revealed with all that viral marketing and all those QR codes to be none other than Bray Wyatt. So, it's pretty super crazy. I think the WWE has tried other sort of tactics before. To try to kind of garner sort of interest or kind of garner this little bit of sort of momentum when they try to sort of think outside the box. But this was sort of the first time that I really think that folks sort of gravitated to it and really latched on and kind of were just sort of all in for, I guess, interest on something like this is sort of mystery that ended up being Bray Wyatt. What were you? What were you thinking when you again? We'll get into it in a second, but man, like, 
what were what were your just kind of thoughts when you just again started to kind of hear rumblings of this so like the first the first kind of time i saw anything about this was uh, everybody reporting uh from house shows that uh jefferson starship's song uh white rabbit was being played just with some red lights and then the song would play and i was like yeah whatever okay cool it wasn't enough to it and then you you see it come again and again and again everybody's like white rabbit carrying cross and all this here and all this all this sort of um uh, nonsense going on and it got yeah like you said it got people talking it got the buzz going uh there was like there was a lot of rumors about uh pop h wanting to bring back released stars uh several names being thrown around i don't need to list it because at this point they'll be listing their entire roster um and you know whenever it started to bring in the qr codes everybody was mystified and that's whenever my ears started to prick up whenever i started to go okay there's something to this um and that's when i started paying a little bit more attention yeah, for sure. I think it's one of those that probably works a little bit more so now when internet is is hugely more available. You can have smartphones, you can have kind of the nature of the grasp of access to the world is much more at your fingertips than say 10 or even 20 years ago for sure if they were to try something. So 100%, I think that definitely has helped with the nature of the kind of the quote-unquote viral marketing that this ended up sort of catching on with and the nature just sort of it of it being organic with that the aforementioned folks are just you'd see randomly like on a twitter or like a tiktok or an instagram like i'm at i'm at a wwe house show and they're playing this like jefferson star excuse me this jefferson airplane song white rabbit and like other people like are holding their phones up and stuff like to for the flashlights and stuff and like oh this is interesting so yeah i think again the the sort of grassroots element of it really helped it garner steam for sure yeah it was definitely something that they didn't lead into anything like you you know you were saying there that the the sort of organic element to it it sort of gently edging its way into the wider universe uh just starting out with um with some uh with some house shows and then onto the twitter and then you know we start seeing stuff on the actual shows proper and then we see more information as opposed to cryptic kind of signposts leading everywhere um and yeah like you said the the the, the uh, 10 20 years ago this really wouldn't have probably caught on um, and I think that the nature of the sort of cryptic elements sort of also helped it because they were very dark. Uh, some of them were uh, pointing to things that had happened that are linked between characters uh, and sort of muddied waters early on. And then we got more stuff going on that kind of helped us narrow down. but. It, even before the path was narrowed for us, we knew who was trying to take us along this this weird and wonderful trail. 
the white rabbit was definitely not somebody that we had forgotten or that you know we did not know uh it was plenty of people myself included just screaming out the name bray wyatt um like it was it couldn't have been anybody else but him uh the people who were like oh it could be this that and the other is like yeah but this screams comeback this doesn't scream rebranding of a of a character and people that were already being talked about were the likes of edge uh, and carrying cross uh, among some others um so this was the more fantastic idea yeah 100 percent. this circles back a little bit to a previous episode we had episode 18 where we chatted a little bit about it and we made some guesses as to who it could be but just to kind of set us on the same page, uh, just a little bit of a refresher on uh, a little bit of the QR codes. Uh, shout outs to fansided.com for putting a fantastic collection together of just the information of all the, the clues and stuff like this. So we ended up, again, the aforementioned, seeing just random folks sharing on social media, just folks at, a, at house shows and during commercials where they'd play this White Rabbit song. And then cut to September 19, Monday Night Raw, QR code shows up behind Austin Theory that led to a game of Hangman. And the question was asked, who killed the world? As video played, the answer was, you did. But it was solved with one leg left. Once the answer was provided, there was a checkerboard uh, background with a bottomless pit that showed the screen, which read, come with me. And White Rabbit then hopped into said hole, which to which 9-23 and 9-23 in terms of a time was flashed on the screen. Cut to September 23, Friday Night Smackdown. The next QR code directed fans to a creative minigame where you had to direct a white, a white rabbit past moving fire towards a door. And once doing so, a video was shown of the rabbit walking through the door with the word patricide shown above the map coordinates that were for the Rogers Arena in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the location for the next episode of Raw. Cut to September 26, Monday Night Raw. QR code showed up during Dominic Mysterio's entrance, uh, which of course, if you recall from the previous clue, Patricide, he ended up turning on his father. Some nice little foreshadowing there. But the... Code in question directs you to a TikTok video from the user Come With Me, which showed a variety of WWE and ECW stars saying, Who killed the world? You did. Feed your head. And at the very end of the video, the numbers 40701, which was a zip code to Corbin, Kentucky. Moving forward to September 30, now we're in week two of this. QR code. Uh, for that said, SmackDown was perhaps the weirdest of them all. It showed clips of the Disney's Three Little Pigs film from 1933. It shows a video of the pigs, which then cuts to photos of pork hanging off a hook. Then they showed the Big Bad Wolf, then cutting to an image to the Big Bad Wolf from the Little Red Riding Hood dressed as a grandmother. So a little confusing there. Now we're coming into the home stretch. October 3rd. Monday Night Raw. QR code took place on said Raw when going to a web page. It featured a painting and a magical eye image. Portrait is of Samson and Delilah, 
And as for the magic eye, if you put the code seen in the magic eye image in a base 64 decoder, comes out with as 10822, which is the date of extreme rules coming up later in the week. Now the final piece here, October 7 of the Friday Night Smackdown, QR code on the microphone held by Papa H himself in the opening promo. Link to a video of the three little pigs with the voiceover that repeated, let me in. And includes sound of knocking on the door. Later on during SmackDown, a video of an 8-bit white rabbit aired. And the rabbit noticed a purple X on the ground and began digging a hole. From there, the rabbit fell in and a fire burst out from it. Then, quote, tomorrow night, 10, 8, 22, flashed on the screen, followed by feed your head. So, again, speaking to your notions of the sort of macabre and the sort of cryptic nature of it, all the points that you pointed out, that it was sort of kind of in the background, it wasn't shoved down your face, it was one of those you got, it was sort of an Easter egg element for those that were paying attention during the show. Ooh, there's the QR code right there, or over in the background or kind of on this thing. So it sort of kind of rewarded folks that were again, paying attention, which led to these sort of little things that again, folks can kind of dig their teeth into and do sort of a little of investigative nature to sometimes figure out wasn't always apparent and maybe sometimes was, but again, crazy, crazy momentum that these, that this strategy had in getting folks excited for whatever was going to happen. Yeah, so this sort of background uh, knowledge that we've been sort of drip-fed started with the Dexter Loomis stuff with the backstage segments of uh, the crashed car, of people being chased through hallways, things like that there. So I like the fact that we're continuing on with this idea that everything has to be watched. You have to, in essence, feed your head. You need to be paying attention at all times for the information is going to come at you. Whether or not you're paying attention, that's, that's down to you. Because the very next show, it wasn't telling, like the, the, the commentary team wasn't giving us answers. The, uh, there was no pop-up saying, congratulations, five million people viewed this, and now here's the answer to what's going on, here's the next little bit. It just continued on without you doing anything. So we do have this website that is, you know, holding all this information. We have everybody who has scanned the QR code, played the games, done all the things, find everything out, watch the little clips and the TikToks and stuff like that there. But I love the fact that we were never given the answers right up until the very end, whenever everybody was like, it's clearly going to happen on Extreme Rules. It's a pay-per-view. That's when things happen. And then we had that little thing at the very end with the, the rabbit and it went, you know, tomorrow night, basically. So cool. Um, it was a lot to get through. And honestly, it was starting to probably lose some form of steam in the sense that if you continue on with that method of, uh, of giving us information, easing things out for too long things will eventually get snapped and 
you'll lose interest. So they 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 got really good. Um, they got really good traction on this. Uh, it was very macabre. It was very um, make you think head scratcher kind of stuff. And then it was giving you rhetorical questions like who killed the world, you know, and all this thing, all all this sort of um, uh, stuff. It was going on. It was very good. And it just made me interested in what Bray Wyatt was going to come out. Who was going to emerge? Was it going to be cult leader? Was it going to be Saturday morning uh, TV show host? Was it going to be The Fiend? Was it going to be something new? Um, And that is what was really driving everybody's investment in this because as soon as everybody was in agreement that this is Bray Wyatt this is this is Wyndham Rotunda right here what's he going to do there was two things that came to mind the first one being which we had talked about which was a concern that if it dragged on too long folks would get disinterested or begin to like boo or just not be engaged with it and then i recall mm-hmm. just you and I having a random conversation throughout the week and I, and I messaged you and I go, Hey, did you realize that Halloween's on a Monday? And I was like, no, don't let it drag on this long type of thing. So we were both concerned that again, because corporations, corporations, when they have something that's popular or kind of do like that, they tend to bang on about it and kind of run it into the ground. So we were both concerned that it would go on that long. So we're glad it didn't. Oh, 100%. I remember that conversation you messaged me and I kind of bleary-eyed looked at it and went, oh, no, checked if you were right. I went, no, please don't do this. Because um, it's definitely a, a WWE style of thing that they would do is to uh, you know, milk it until it just wouldn't produce anymore. So um, I was glad that they, they, they didn't pull it off to uh, Halloween, though. Thank you for putting that Moment of dread in my mind, PT. No problem. So we're both glad that it didn't drag on as long. And the second piece we I was thinking of was your notion of folks kind of getting invested in a little bit of like kind of macabre or sort of the marketing piece of it. And I think it works really well with folks now getting into looking forward to shows and series, how folks will sometimes binge watch and kind of get really invested you know, in, in series and want to find out more about characters or storylines and things of that nature. So I think now with the sort of advent of things like Netflix and, and Hulu and other streaming platforms, when you're looking forward to shows, if they're not all dumped at the same time, if you have to watch it episodically, that folks are like, all right, I'm looking forward to the next piece. I want to find out. I want to find out what's happening next. So I think that too also helped it work now more so than years previous where it might not have worked like that. I completely agree. Um, and I feel like uh, coming from someone who needs a story to be invested uh, in what you want me to watch. Like if you want me to watch anything, I have to look at it and go, does that show look interesting? And this is where I get a lot of my wrestling uh, stories from as well. It's like, if the story is good, if the 
if the competitors make me believe that this is something I should watch, then I will watch it and I will I will enjoy it. Like even if the even if maybe the match is, you know, subpar by by other uh, wrestling enthusiasts, uh, you know, minds, I will enjoy the show because I've been invested in a story. Right? If I watch a five star banger and I'm just kind of sat there watching a five star banger and I'm just like, okay, yeah, cool, but what else can I do right now? Um, I'm not invested in it. Like, I don't care who who wins. Like. Whoever wins, wins. It just happens. I'm not invested in that. I don't have a stake in it. So to see one of the greatest storytellers uh, come back to WWE, and that's subjective as well. Um, you know, he's going to come back with some modicum of uh, of creative freedom, creative control. I assume uh, with the new advent of this head of long term creative in Rob Fee him being a Fiend fan, uh, I would assume that those two, Ray Wyatt and Rob Fee, will get together and at least be able to work something good out. Um, but it's just stories need to happen and then we can get to the showcase. And that is what looks like is starting to happen in WWE. Well, it looks like it's starting to come back, rather. Because a lot of the really good matches have had stories behind them. See the uh, the, the the bangers after bangers after bangers put on between Sheamus and Gunther. Um, you know, the little the little tiny things, everybody thinking Gunther tapped, you know, him cheating and stuff to win. Like the, the, the lovely threads that come from a story that are now put into the match. And we pay attention to the match because we're invested in it. Whereas if you're just throwing a couple of randos against Braun Strowman, eh, I really don't care. Yeah, for sure. So we speaking of showcases, we get the payoff to all this marketing here. We cut to WWE Extreme Rules. And after the last match, Matt Riddle defeats Seth Rollins, Daniel Cormier, raises Riddle's hand one last time, and the lights go out. We hear he's got the whole world in his hands being played. Which was creepy. Creepy. So great, but creepy. We then cut to physical manifestations of the Firefly Funhouse characters in the crowd. Huskis the Pig, Mercy the Buzzard, Ramblin' Rabbit, Abby the Witch, The Fiend. A video package of the ransacked Firefly Funhouse was shown, and as its theme, music is played. A TV in the room started to buzz, with a white-masked figure appeared on screen. And then there's a door in the entrance stage, was shown and opened to a blue light. A figure emerged, holding Wyatt's signature lantern, before removing said mask to reveal the man himself, Bray Wyatt. Wyatt then blows out the lantern, which flashed the inverted moth logo, reminiscent of Silence of the Lambs, fade to black, curtain down. The one thing that I got from this was the pop of the crowd. That was the thing I think that stands out the most. Folks, we talk about buildup, talk about a story, we want that ending, the payoff. 
once the lights went out, that huge roar, folks put their flashlights on with their camera phones, you got the fireflies in the crowd, song plays, flashes of the, char- the physical manifestations of the characters, the video plays, boom, and then the man walks out. And the cheer of that crowd was the thing that stays in my mind, for sure. Yeah. The, um, the goosebumps I got whenever I heard the sort of raspy, slow, monotonous, he's got the whole world in his hands rendition, it was haunting. And it was so calm and peaceful, and you could hear a juxtaposition with the roar of the crowd. Because everybody knew, like, this was Bray. Bray is coming. There is nothing to stop it now. And then, like you say, we see all of these, we see all these people uh, dressed as the characters from the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, the physical manifestations of these little dolls. And then we see Corey and uh, Michael Cole get spooked by the burnt fiend mask on the table in front of them. It was so good. It was so surreal because it was not like something they've done before in the sense that we had this song being sung and then the camera sort of pans to an area of the of the arena and then it pans to another area of the arena and then again and then again and then again. And this is sort of what I mean by the story And then it's investing me in what's going on, because what do these characters mean? Like, what do these physical representations mean anything? Are they just because having the puppets would be stupid? Having someone just stand there with a with a rambling rabbit on his hand, just going, hi, I'm 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 rambling rabbit. And another with a husk, the pig boy, you know, just kind of sat there like it'd be kind of silly. So the physical manifestations were cool. Um. And then a little nods as well to other things that people have pointed out. And I've I've since went back and had a look, the little nods to uh, um, to Mr. Brodie Lee with the, uh, the former mask, which is in contention by some people, but I do believe it's the former mask that he used to wear as part of the, uh, the Bash Brothers or whatever uh, it was. Bludgeon the, Brothers. Bludgeon Brothers, that was the one um, being worn by Abby the Witch and the blue light. Uh, coming from the doorway, which was the do- which was the the hallway that he walked down upon his uh, debut in AW, lovely little touches, creepy as hell, but fan bloody tastic. Yeah, just succinct again. That crowd was had an expectation, and they were wanting something, and you said and the. WWE set an expectation with that last sort of vignette, which is saying, hey, Extreme Rules, basically, and we went the whole show, and sort of nothing kind of happened, and then you get the, the copyright symbol being shown right when Daniel Cormier is raising Riddle's hand, and then, boom, lights turn out. Ah, so a little flash, a little nod to sort of NXT-style stuff, and Every once in a while, they would do at sort of the end of the takeover, that kind of thing. Cut to copyright thing, shows over. Oh, no, it's not. Something's happening. Nice little touch. That was definitely a, a Papa Itch thing to do. Um, you know, throws the mind back to whenever it went 
Uh, we copyright symbol whenever Champa and Gargano were walking to the back, you know, and they were both hands raised, and Champa's like, uh, I want you to meet my uh, alter ego, <laughs> Big Bad Champa, and then beats the beats the tar out of Gargano's. Is you know, it, it was it was done a couple of times. Um, I I loved it here. It was it was it was good because, like you said, the show was actually really good to the point where. I watched it and just kind of went, wait, wasn't there supposed to be something about Ray? Like, then the show, then that happened, and then it was just the, like, the wee credit came up, and I was like, where's Bray? And then this happens, like, ah, here we go. Good stuff. Yeah. So, again, setting expectations and then actually paying off. So, that's actually really, really good. So, again, Papa H garnering more faith and credit in the audience. And the fans for sure. Now, cut to Friday Night SmackDown. We see Bray is scheduled to appear. And that the show, Fireflies are out for Bray's entrance, for which he has new music. So good. It's so good. I can't wait for it to come out on Spotify or whatever it is, but like, yeah. Oh, this new theme is amazing. I love it. He gets on the mic, and he says he's incredibly grateful and nervous to be out here. And this is a version of him that he's never got to introduce before. Just Bray being Bray. Genuine for the first time. In the past year, he's lost a lot of things. His career, his self-confidence. Two people were very close to him. He lost his way. He got to a point where he thought his whole career was meaningless. It didn't matter to anyone. But he was wrong. Once he was done feeling sorry for himself, he went out into the world again, and people would thank him and ask him, when is he going to come home? Every once in a while, he met someone truly remarkable, and they would come to him and thank him because they were in a time of need, and they went through what he's going through. And in, his, in this weakened state, they found his words and wanted to thank him for saving their life. He could sit right here now and look at all of us in the eyes and say they were there for when he was weak and vulnerable and downtrodden. And he's thanking us for saving his life. Every time he tried to run away and hide, we found him. The lights go out and Bray appears in the new mask on the Tron and tells us to come with him and forget the future and the past. And we don't know who he's dealing with. But we will. The moth logo flashes on the screen. Fade to black. Really, really good promo. If for one thing, we got a chance to, we talk about Bray being Bray or introduce a different side of him. This may not have been Bray. This may have been Wyndham Rotunda speaking to the crowd here. So I, I have a little bit of a. I've seen you know whenever I whenever I saw this um, this morning because obviously watch from the, across the world I can't watch live. I watched this this morning and I got uh, a very. I stopped what I was doing and I got a very. Um. Warm presence. 
from this from this sort of uh, from this sort of promo. His words uh, were ringing out. Obviously, he was talking about. Um, he was trying to start his promo. The voice caught in his throat. Uh, he looked uh, a little bit upset. Uh, a, a fan cries out, "We love you!" And this, he just goes, "I love you too." You know, the fiend Bray Wyatt, any persona, never did that. The fiend was a mute. Bray Wyatt never did that as the the cult leader. He never did it as the uh, as the Saturday morning cartoon show host. Like he never did those things. He never responded, which was a complete different side, and it was so good to see. And my my idea, my thoughts, my my feelings on this is that I want this obviously to be a story based in realism to the point where. I want everybody, especially when Rotunda, if he's doing this here, to sort of fantastically produce a story where it looks as if he is being manipulated by himself. So you read out the piece there where it's saying he's talking to us. The voice wasn't talking to us. The voice was talking to Bray. The voice was not talking to the crowd. It was talking specifically to the Bray in the ring that was open, that was wounded, that was weak. He said, come with me. And he will show us what what things are going to be like. But he has to then manipulate this Bray in the ring because at the end of the day, whenever he came out as uh, as Bray Wyatt took off the mask in the first place at Extreme Rules, he goes, I'm here. Couldn't hear it because of the crowd roar, but he says, I'm here. And blows his, blows his lantern out as per. So my take on it is and I, I hope I hope that this is this is what's going to happen because honestly this is cool as heck. To have someone who is in an emotional state like this that he he was worried that his his things never mattered to people and everybody was cheering and roaring as they like basically saying no you, you know we loved what you did he's like i doubted myself my self-confidence was gone this that and the other coming from a place like i know where he's coming from like i 100 his words resonated with me like i knew exactly what he was talking about and to see where this path could lead in terms of entertainment. Like, we're not going down a dark path. We're going to see what is creepy. The mind of a man haunted by himself and who is eternally imaginative. This could only be fantastic. Yeah, it's a wonderful point. We've always seen the Swamp Father, Bray Wyatt, the cult leader, speak so eloquently and use these turn of phrase and these double on and sometimes triple entendres. And then we saw all throughout his incarnations, and then we see things like the Firefly Funhouse Saturday morning cartoon show host, Bray, just, again, speak whimsically and always on point. But this particular iteration, 
little bit of stammering, a little bit of sort of raw viciousness and, and slight off the tracks kind of not quite scatterbrained, but just it was different. You never heard him sort of enunciate like this as well. So it was definitely a nice little different take, and I like the notion of, hmm, I was broken, I'm not quite there, yeah. but I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'd be surprised if we ever see this again. We're, I don't think we're ever going to get it again. I think this was a nice break back, uh, sort of let us know, uh, heartfelt reunion, come back, and from here on, we see the demons of Bray. The, the ones that haunt him, the ones that do things, the ones that uh, are, are, are his creativity, his, his pain, the way he deals with things. We're not going to have specifically a sort of mental health battle being fought here. This is, you know, this is a whimsical um, sort of take on the duality of this man. Like, this man is has shown us some scars and that's fantastic but now we're seeing how he how he coped how he dealt the the pain he went through and this is a story stoked in realism and that's what's going to have people interested now people out there will be like oh you're, you're looking way too much into this it's like this is bray wyatt the man who had us looking at qr codes and figuring things out for a couple of weeks if if this is me looking too deep into this, then I'm sorry, but we're probably going way deeper. Like this, this took me five ten minutes this morning going, holy, holy, holy moly! Like you know, what is going to happen here? Are we is this like, are we going to have these demons? Is is this what these represent? You know, is this who is this? And you know, what do these things mean? Uh, so no, I I really love the openness from this first sort of promo but I don't think we're going to see him again. And if we do, it will be sparingly. Again, to the point, traditionally we'd always see the Bray character or whatever manifestation he had, always again with the sort of eloquently cryptic words. And again, this was very stripped down. And maybe all it is is just Papa H goes to Wyndham and he's like, listen, just go out there and feel it type of thing and just give him a chance to say hey you know what i appreciate that and i appreciate you and then i like the nice little nod that when the video package interrupts he cuts to and he looks at the tron and he's like almost like a what type of thing so kind of sink you back into it type of thing but i do i do appreciate because folks were wondering are we are we going to get you know, the sort of standard Bray shtick or, and we, and we got something different, which was sort of nice again. So whether or not that ends up being an element of a character, regardless, it was good to see. And I appreciated the acknowledgement factor. Yeah. Like everything about the, uh, the little, you know, kind of cut to the, the Tron, the, uh, the sort of spooky promo with the guy in the mask, with the Bray in the mask, with the red contacts on, um, you know, it, it's, it's annoying because Bray Wyatt is specifically Smackdown and now I've got to wait until next week to find out what's going to happen. 
Um, there, there's only really been uh, one story so far this year uh, in the WWE that has had the same sort of impact and has taken months to get there, and that's the Bloodline. After two weeks, three weeks, well, say about a month of build-up, inclusive of the whole uh, of the of the current past week, um, and I'm already kind of itching, chomping at the bit, going, "Okay, tell me what's next. Don't give me the end promo again next week. Give me the opening promo or something like this here. You know, an early promo, and then layer it through the show, and then you know, give me something else like." I need I actually need more information. <laughs> I need more PT. And that's really good that the fact that you're looking forward to what's mm. what's coming up next and what's going to happen is fantastic and I think you much like other fans are trying to unravel this little bit of a mystery that is uh this whole thing going on with the Bray. And speaking of this notion of the Wyatt 6 keeps being brought up. It's of course this Twitter handle but then also this notion of what is this wide six thing? And folks are trying to figure it out and folks are thinking, well, okay, at Extreme Rules, we have the physical manifestations of the Firefly Funhouse folks. And we had five characters shown and then Bray. So kind of six things. But folks are thinking that this could potentially be one of two things. The first of could be a stable of these sort of characters being portrayed by folks in there and Bray leading a sort of faction in a sense. So to that end, what are your thoughts on, on that particular sort of thought process or that thought notion? So I, I don't know. This is a very fan oriented theory. No, I'm not saying that I didn't see, you know, everybody come out and, Addresses the the costumes. I've already addressed that. Him being at Wyndham Six on Twitter, like you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, cool, could mean something, but it's been that for a while. Like, do we want to call them the Wyatt Six? Like, they're they're a bunch of superheroes, or you know, what 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 is this? Like, come up with a better name first of all. Don't be calling them the Wyatt Six anymore because I am legitimately getting power rings and fancy jumpsuits in my mind right now whenever you say the Wyatt Six. I'm like, you know, form of whatever, form of something spooky, you know, it's going to be something stupid. Give me spandex for days, that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> Give me black spandex and cobwebs. I don't know. Um, it's just it's just something really ridiculous, and it it is a fan sort of, propelled idea that this is a stable based on the uh based on the figments that we saw of of all of the characters from the firefly funhouse by the way as an aside the guy who was dressed up as huskus the pig legitimately creeped me out i never want to see that again so if this is a stable please keep that man away from my tv screen okay thank you um just it it's just one of those things that I like the idea that maybe it was too stupid to use puppets, so we had these people dress up, and these were just precursors to the release of this new uh, this new character. Um, if this is genuinely a new faction, sweet. Honor's bringing back uh, factions. I'm loving to see it. Factions are really, really good if they're done correctly. 
Um, the problem that we have here is in WWE, pretty much every everyone is brought up as a as an established star. Very few of them are not established. And whenever you have someone like Bray, you kind of have to use established stars now. Long gone are the days of the original Wyatt family where he could just pull up three big dudes that looked menacing with giant beards and you know, how to swamp motif, like gone are those days. Because now Bray Wyatt is a, you know, is a name. We already have little leaks and on teases and things like this here from people along all over the internet. Um, personally, I would like to see the faction, but I'm not going to be disappointed if it's not a faction. Uh, I, I, I don't really, I don't really have a, a pedestal to sort of stand on and talk about because. We still haven't had any of that information. We only know of one confirmed character, and that's the character that has this really weird, mustached, sort of grey mask on. Um, so we don't know what character that is of Bray. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting notion, and I do think now that with more, a little bit more symmetry between the NXT, the Raw, and the SmackDown piece that, again, it's going to be folks that, or at least folks are going to be familiar with type of thing, if this ends up kind of being a faction. You know, and it could be something that, if it ends up being people being brought into a stable, some, you know, folks just kind of getting a slight repackage or kind of giving them a purpose for a story type of thing and and kind of being alongside Bray type of thing, wherever it decides to go, you know, it could be, could be helpful for, for folks with that. But yeah, it's super interesting. And the other notion of it, if it's not physical people being sort of a faction, the notion of the wide six being sort of split personalities of Bray. And we went back to the notion of we've seen sort of the, the cult leader Bray. We've seen the eater of worlds Bray. The, the talk show host Bray, the, the Fiend, different kind of things like that, where it could be just like the movie we were talking a little earlier, like the movie Split, where it's just sort of these different characters played by the one entity. And that's a very interesting notion as well, that it could be sort of this, where it's different characters, but it's all portrayed by the one person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing, that I really liked about the promo and this idea, uh, this this split personality idea, is um, the fact that he said other people heard my words. It's a very creepy little thing to say. I heard your words, Bray, and they saved me. He was not implying that it just saved someone's life. He was saying it out and out saved them. Saved them from what? We've seen some people being underutilized. We've seen some people who maybe have hit a roadblock. We've seen some people who have been doubting themselves within the WWE. We've seen some people who should probably want more and are too afraid to go and get it. Now, have these people heard his words? Are these the people that are maybe influenced by his words and have taken on these aspects of his personality? That would be interesting. That would be creepy. There are individuals who might not necessarily, you know, fit the mold, 
of 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 this sort of uh movie style scenario that I've kind of thrown out. Um, but you can have people who are established come in and play a corrupted version of themselves or an enlightened version, as they might put it. Um, a, a, an eye-opened, words-read, sort of, now I see. Now I don't care about the past, I don't care about the future. I revel in what I am. Which is what his message is. That is, revel in what you are. Who destroyed the world? Well, what does the world mean in this situation? You know what I mean? He, he wants the people to revel in what they are. Well, does he want us to revel in what we are? Or is he trying to tell himself that? To my point earlier on, the Bray on the Tron was talking to the Bray in the ring. He's telling himself to revel in his madness, to revel in who he is, what he is, what he can bring. Be happy in the fact that his words have touched more than just himself, but maybe other people. The best stories are when every single person can take away something different and it can resonate. So even if something has a super definitive ending, or a meaning, something like that. You're going to read it different. I'm going to read it different. We can read the same ending to a book. We can watch the same ending of a film or a television show. But you know what? I took away something super specific, and I see it going somewhere. And you, based on your experiences and your thought process, are going to look at it and take away something different. And those are the best stories, because they can feed they can continue on. They can re revel in a new life just based on what every single person comes away with it. From that notion now, where do you see this going? What, what, are, you, what are you inclining? What do you want to see? And where do you feel like it's going to go? So... If I could give you a physical representation, it would be a cork board with red, you know, yarn everywhere pointing to every place, you know, every corner of the map. Like this thing could go anywhere. Legitimately. I've got shades of Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was 100% going for. Like he's got a conspiracy theory. This is what's going to happen. You know, the cork board in the back and it's just got all the red yarn on there. Like, 100%, this could go, and, like, I have just, you know, like you said, you know, you can read one ending, I can read another, um, or I can read something out of an ending, you can read something out of it completely different, and I've just come up with a scenario there that's like, well, this is what, this is what this means to me, this is what it could mean, this is, this is, this is a possibility, and that's just one possibility. Like, is the other possibility that Zordon comes down in the middle of the ring and we get the par the par Wyatts or something? Like we yes. can get that. I love it. You know, we could get Shinsuke in there. He could be the Green Ranger. Maybe the black one, you know, because he had that that that, that black uh his cat suit. black ensemble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a Power Rangers fan. Get him in there. Yeah. But like, come on. We could have Let's don't call them the Wyatt Six Boys and Girls. Please stop it. Just, anytime I read that on Twitter right now, it's like, please, they're not Power Rangers. Go away. 
Um, but yeah, but yeah, we can have like multitudinous things. My favorite thing is where I want it to go, personally rather, is that we do have a faction. We do have these people who have heard the voice, who have heard his words. And we have a couple of trademarks. I can't remember what one of them is, but one of them is Uncle Harper. Uh, and I can't remember what the other one was, but that seems to be related to the mask that's currently being worn. So whether or not, yes, there is sort of the duality of Bray, the corrupt has become completely corrupt and is now trying to influence this very real Wyndham Rotunda that came out to the ring. Um, so I, I would like to see the faction be formed. I would like this new faction of, of uh, the split personalities of Wyndham, of uh, the Firefly Hunhouse, kind of out in the world. Um, you know, whether or not these characters represent something to Bray, uh, represent something to this character, we could be told what they're meant to be representing. Um, and then they legitimately uh, take over. And this is the true herald of the downfall of the bloodline. I'm sort of in agreement as well. I'd, I'd like for it to be a sort of a combination of the two things we mentioned, the physical faction, as well as the sort of split personality, multiple nature of Bray, kind of being succumb to the darkness, but also sort of being in control of the darkness. And maybe it's, again, it's a, it's a different personality thing. But I think, yeah, if folks potentially through repackage or through just being potentially partnered or by proxy association with a Bray can potentially revitalize a character or a push for them if it's the right circumstance. So I'd like, to, again, to see a little bit of combination of both. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, especially if we do not have the information on who is actually going to be in this new faction, if it is a faction indeed. Like, we have teases from people who are teasing, if I make this shot, I'm going back to WWE and then tagging Wyndham and, you know, and then you have uh, Grayson Waller in his Hawaiian shirt going, we really thought that I was dressed up as a buzzard, blah, 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 you know. Um, we have Liv Morgan and Seth Rollins both blacking out their Twitters. Uh, you know, there, there's people like Joe Gacy who was teasing all week um, that it's that it was actually him, uh, which actually which, which upset a couple of people. Actually, <laughs> I was surprised to see that it upset some people. It's like, no, don't want you to do it. Go away. Uh, but other people were other people were like, oh yeah, cool. Like, can't believe it's you and not Bray and all this here. Um. So anyway, it would it would be nice to see a development of this. As, as much as I was saying I need this information right now, they could do an entire episode of SmackDown just surrounding Bray, and I would be happy. Like, and it, like next week's SmackDown would be just him going around corrupting people and having them become his avatars for the Firefly Funhouse, as it were. Could he pick Alexa Bliss again? 
one interaction that I'm looking forward to is whenever they meet in the hallway. Uh, because now we know that we're allowed to see them in the hallway. That's going to be fun. Especially whenever she tweeted out, hey friend. Um, uh, is, is it Liv Morgan? Is it going to be, is it going to be Grayson Waller? Is it going to be the one that won't be named because we don't want her back? Uh, is it going? Is it going to be uh, Seth Rollins? Like, is it going to be anybody? Like, Seth made the comments: "If you get involved with Bray, this was years ago. If you got involved with Bray, you never came out of it uh, looking good." And I feel like, personally, I feel like those comments were directed because the stories surrounding Bray Wyatt always sucked. And it was always because of the creative uh, clash between the two individuals of Wyndham Rotunda and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. The two people hated each other. So, yeah, you always looked bad because you were going against a popular character that was booked to look strong and you were winning and you were getting booed because his character should have won. Like, if you had a loss, you would have looked really good. Like, let's face it, Seth. You got DQ'd in a hell in a cell match. Nothing can wash off that stink. Okay? So maybe he is actually the one who goes into this Power Rangers Wyatt formation. Really interesting points. A lot to unpack here. But I agree. We're both looking forward to what's going to happen next with Bray. And then that's the, that's the icing on the cake. That's what the Fed wants. And that's what we want to know what's going to happen next. So if you have ideas and thoughts and reactions to Bray returning to WWE, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram to let us know what your thoughts are on Bray Wyatt returning to WWE. Please do, because this is just, this is so big. I need to hear other people's reactions to this, your conspiracy theories. Tell me about your cork boards. Just everything. Oh, for sure. All right, on to our next topic here. Turmoil in the bloodline. So if you've been following along with the channel, you know that myself along with Joker have been no short of fascinated with what's going on with the bloodline and its inclusion of Sami Zayn and the dynamic between Sami and the Jay, Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso, Solo Roman and Paul Heyman. Just, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's just been blowing our minds. And clearly, you know, from some of the views, some people agree. Like, we, we've just been pointing it out that we've loved it. I don't think, uh, don't think we're alone in that. And it's... Uh... Yeah, so as the saga continues, we see the latest development happen on this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns comes out with the bloodline in tow for another town hall. Reigns makes Brooklyn wait while they make a lot of noise, mostly by Sami Zayn. After getting them, the Brooklyn crowd, to acknowledge him, Tribal Chief talked about how he doesn't like to dwell on the past, but he is having a hard time moving beyond what happened on Friday Night SmackDown. And he puts Jay on the spot, and he asks Jay Uso 
if it, he was a fool, it seemed like he was about to rip into him. But Sami Zayn asks if he can handle it. Reigns, seemingly upset, then laughs and says Sami really is the honorary oos. Sami says they all love Jay, but lately he hasn't been really oosy. Everybody loves Jimmy, gets a huge pop, and Solo Sokoa is tough, but he's also fun. And that's the thing, they're all fun. Jay, just loosen up, will you? Jay, of course, is fuming and demands Roman tell him if this is a joke. Are you ribbing me? Jay responds. We cut to a Matt Riddle interruption, and he knows he agreed not to challenge for the titles again as long as Roman is holding them, but how about they make an exception for Brooklyn? And Roman teases accepting, but he says, Yeah. Riddle says okay. How about someone else in the bloodline? Jay offers up Zane, who at first defers, but gets upset when Riddle mocks him saying, Yeet. When he does, when he does it once again, Jay says Riddle's low-key disrespecting you, Sammy, which gets Zane to challenge Riddle, and a challenge that is accepted with one final yeet. Hot dang. I had this entire section just while you were talking. I had to have my ones up because, you know, we the ones. Respect out to the bloodline. Love you, tribal chief, etc., etc., etc. A big fan of the bloodline. I love this entire story. We we talked about this so many m- months ago that it was starting to get stale, and Sammy is starting to, you know, push this into absolute greatness. And it was it was Sammy to begin with. So obviously Roman put in the work. Right? Roman put in the work and doing the doing the thing. Then Sammy puts in the extra work of just putting the bloodline over huge now. Like this is just so good. And now Jay is like it started off with him just being a little bit awkward and just being angry and annoyed this last like week, two weeks. His character sort of like getting, you know, getting some traction. And it's just, it's just so good. And having Riddle be the one to come out and be like, yeet. It's like, yeet, my dog. (laughs) What is this stupidity? It's so funny. It is, whenever you see Sammy and Jay on screen, you just go, okay, this is going to be some goodness. The nice little added layer of Rome, uh, the Sammy interrupting Roman and Paul just going like, oh, uh, what Sammy, what are you doing? And then Roman's kind of like, he really is this, this, you know, this mother trucker. This really is an honorary use. All right, handle this. I just that little, exactly. even that little interaction. He's just like, you know what? He's like, you know, basically you put me in charge of, uh, he's my problem now. Right, Roman? Uh, I got this. All right, do your thing, bro. And you just see. Just Roman, if you watch the segment again, Roman just leaning back against the ropes next to Paul, like, just do, hand, you know, all right, should do your thing, type of thing. And this is just top class Roman as well. Like, this is Roman coming into it now. Whereas before he was this sort of insert city name here, acknowledge me, I am the best, I've beat everybody. You know, it was kind of, it was getting steel. But last week, whenever Sammy called, Logan Paul, the biggest number two he ever seen. 
and Roman had to turn away from the hard cam because he was laughing. Like he broke. Like him and Logan were both laughing. Sam was stone faced. Sam was delivering this epic line and just Roman and Logan going, What? Just okay, dude. And then this week, where he's just kind of leaning back on, okay, honorary use, handle that business I gave to you. It's like, okay, yeah, it's getting super good. And a nice little kind of furthering piece of, you know what, like the last time we saw that Roman kind of shut down Jay, you know, both in the in the face-to-face interaction in the ring last week on SmackDown, but then also sort of in that backstage where he's like, you know what, you are hot hit. And Jay sort of didn't get to respond, but Jay fires back a little bit. He's, uh, you know, he's like, you know what, like, dude, he's, yo, Riddle's disrespecting you, Sammy, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gonna let him disrespect you like that? Like, just kind of needling Sammy a little bit, you know, type of thing, uh, putting the pressure on him a little bit. So I was like, you know what, kind of giving, giving it back a little bit that he's been getting. So that was also a nice little touch to sort of development and kind of add, again, yet another layer to this. Yeah, just seeing seeing Jay know that he can push Sammy's buttons as well. It's not all Sammy just making fun of Jay. Jay is now on the offensive. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see then how offensive he's going to be. Whether or not he's going to uh, uh, whether or not he's going to cause a little bit of strife soon. So we continue on here on Monday Night Raw. Cut to a backstage. Reigns and Heyman heading out of the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Jay runs up and says they need to talk about tonight. Roman says Paul has set them up in Manhattan, and they're going to do New York tonight. But Jay isn't coming, because he needs to stick it and stick with Sammy. And since he'll be here, Roman tells him to make sure my honorary Oose wins tonight. And we forward through to the match with Sammy Zayn and Matt Riddle. Jay takes a shot at Riddle while he's on the ropes, but Sammy tells him, let me handle this. During the match, we get a Sammy Uso chant, which is fantastic, by the way. Then Riddle goes for an Orton-esque elevated DDT, but doesn't work, and Zayn dumps Riddle onto the floor. And Riddle lights Sammy up with kicks, and Jimmy tries to get involved, but Jay won't let him. Of course, screaming, he's got this. Back in the ring, we hit a blue thunder bomb countered with an RKO out of nowhere for the win. And unfortunately, the honorarius didn't win, and Roman is not going to be happy. He's really not. He's really not going to be happy with that. That was, um, yeah, that was oof. We get an interesting development again. Just Roman and Jay were at the interaction. He says, make sure my honorarius wins. And Jay, again, to his credit, early in the match, trying to make sure the honorarius wins. But Sammy, being, of course, sort of unofficially the boss, or with Jay being his problem, says, no, 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 I got this. What are you doing? No, 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 no. I got this. So Jimmy, of course, trying to help with the thing and and jay of course the intra interludes and says no 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 he says he's got this he's got this and of course ends up just sort of backfiring with a a little bit of a just non-distraction and ends up losing so again little miscommunication 
Jay was trying to do what Roman asked and instructed him as his right-hand man. But then Sammy, sort of as the quote-unquote boss, or the capo of Jay, in a sense, was like, you know what? I got this. So conflicting power plays, interestingly enough, in this little section here. Yeah, and this is this is the sort of conflict um, that I kind of alluded to a few weeks ago. Whenever I said, "Is Jim, is Jay going to be the boy who cried wolf? Is you know he going to be this sort of factor where um, he's well? I, I I tried to help him. Like the, the evidence is there, but of course, people don't watch the product. Why would you watch the product? They wouldn't watch that back, Jay. They don't know what you're on about. Like, you know, Sammy clearly wasn't in the conversation when Roman was like, make sure my honorary use wins. Okay, cool. So Jay is not like, yo, I was told I was told to help. He's like, I can do this myself. So Jay tries to help say, Okay, we got we got a we got a bad boy over here. Just go on ahead and do it yourself. Handle your business. And then it ends up that he loses when Jay and Jay is just kind of sat there going. Tried to help you, bro. I don't know what you mean. I I tried to help you. What what are you looking at me like that for? I didn't, you know, it wasn't my fault that you lost. I tried to help you. You were, you know, busy with me. It's uh pretty it's pretty easy to see where this might go. Yeah, it's a little bit tough again. Little maybe little power struggle, maybe a little trying to figure out your way, figure out your position within this organization. Very, very tough. But again, we see the next chapter, if you will, this time on this past week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. We see Sami Zayn and Solo Sokoa standing in the grill position. And Sami likes Solo because he's so reliable. We see Jay slide in. Jimmy, and says Jimmy is handling business. That's why he's not here. It's a family thing. It's a real family thing. Sammy says Jay is uh, Jay's with him tonight, and he doesn't want a repeat of what happened on Raw. Jay agrees. Jay says, uh, says Sammy had it, so he let Sammy have it. Then we see Sammy's cell phone ring, and it's Roman. Sammy says Jay could have done something, but he chose not to. And Sammy hands the phone over to Jay, and Jay reiterates Roman's decree Make sure Sammy gets the win. Jay, obviously upset by Roman's response, simply says, You the tribal chief. I got you. And gives the phone back to Sammy. Jay gets visibly upset once again after Sammy tells him he wouldn't get the inside joke between he and Roman. And we see in the finish of the match, Jay pushes Kofi Kingston to reverse the roll-up and gets the victory for Sammy again. Honoring, honoring Roman's decree and helping out Sammy. Really, really great job again here. These guys are just knocking it out of the park right here. Again, the little interaction they had, the back and forth, the reactions, the the acting by these two is just top notch. Yeah. The fact that we have Jimmy doing family stuff and the recent uh, news about Trinity Fatu in talks with WWE again, that 
leads me to be super excited that we could be seeing Naomi coming back because that'd be super fun. Have Naomi join the bloodline, have another layer where, you know, maybe Naomi is on the side of, you know, of, of, uh, of, of Jay. Maybe that yeah. could have some, some weirdness. I don't know. It's so, so much fun. Um, but yeah, them both talking into this phone and then Sammy going, like, you know, cracking a joke with the tribal chief. Let's face it. He was on the phone to no one. Um, and it goes, oh, it's an inside joke. <laughs> Just like, oh dear, we're not on the best of terms today. Um, yeah, the acting from these guys, this is what I was on about earlier in the Bray stuff. Like, they are investing me in this story. I love this story. I'm paying attention to these matches because I want to see how people are going to react. Uh, you know, obviously, Sami Zayn is an amazing wrestler. And it's just one of those things that I, I liked watching Sami Zayn matches because I thought he was really good. But I was never really interested. This new character work? Really good. Like the conspiracy theorist stuff from before? Nah, whatever. I can take it or leave it. But this stuff, this is his best work. And J- Jace too. Everybody involved in the Bloodline story is like their best work. The minutiae in the details. And again, it goes back to like me just randomly saying like, you know what, like during what you termed as the t-shirt ceremony, like Jay just like, just doing little things in the background and just like, you're like, man, it made me notice him. And just kind of like it added so much layers to a story. Again, he's, he's playing this role within this faction, right? And, av- and having these little reactions and kind of having these interactions with, with Sammy, with Roman, with Jimmy, and these, all these players, right? And again, the collective is just killing it right now. And you have everybody sort of, again, playing these little roles within it. And they're not sort of overshadowing one another. They're playing off each other very, very well. And all these little parts are adding to this this complete play that is just so intriguing. And again, much like myself and Joker, we are very intrigued by these, these little segments that have come together and have strung along the story so far. And it's just really, really great. And again, these, it might seem like little things and it's like a little backstage promo, like what he's talking about. But again, it's just, it's something that because I've been following along and Joker has as well, it's just been, it's got me hooked, man. Uh, Again, it's just, it's a backstage promo. Maybe it was like a minute and a half, two minutes long or whatever it was, but man, got me super interested and looking forward to these interactions. Yeah. And this has been going on for weeks on like normally these promos and stuff between people. And this is an internal sort of power struggle sort of thing going on. And normally by now I'm sort of like looking to when the next pay-per-view is, if it's a really bad interaction with people, I'm like, Oh, I really do with change of scenery for let's say Bailey or for, uh, or for Ricochet or for, you know, whoever it is that is in a storyline that I don't really like right now. Um, and these, these guys are just like, I can watch this for another month or two, and then at day one, give me something day one ish. Like, come on, it's you know the Usos boys. I want something to go down at day one. I don't know what I want to go down at day one. I need to see more of this story. I need to see, need to see where it goes. But if it doesn't go down before day one, better believe day one is going to have an absolute banger of a resolution. I agree. 
down since day one-ish would make sense for something to happen. Mm-hmm. And we see sort of the, the final story beat on SmackDown as well that Sammy is telling... Excuse me. Final story beat here on SmackDown. We cut to a backstage and Sammy telling Solo to get the job done like he did. Jay tells Sammy, you're welcome. And Sammy responds, for what? Jay followed Roman's orders, ensuring Sammy got the win. But Sammy believes he did it all on his own. Jay, bewildered, asks if Solo saw Jay's assist. And Solo responds, no, I didn't see it. I missed it. I was actually watching Sammy. I can learn a lot from you, Oos. Jay, feeling so betrayed, puts his hands on his face and looks away from all of their direction. Sammy says Solo has learned a lot from him. Now Solo will follow in Sammy's footsteps, of course, a former three-time Intercontinental Champion, and run through all those fools and become the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. Unfortunately, due in part to a distraction by Sammy and Jay, we end up seeing in that match later on, Rey Mysterio ends up becoming the number one contender. But man, even though we'll move aside for the solo piece, but at two solo at two. I love, I love, I love it. I I think, I think solo is completely right. Like if I'm putting on my, this is my, you know, okay. I'm putting on my bloodline hat. It's like, he's completely right. Sammy clearly already had that. Jay came in and he was a wee bit too slow. There was, they were already pushing over. Sammy was going to get that roll up anyway. It's not a big deal. Jay is just way off base here. He's just, I don't know what he's thinking. You know, completely, absolutely ridiculous. Didn't help Sammy in the slightest. Solo could stand to learn so much from an absolute icon like Sami Zayn because he is nothing if not a consummate professional. And, you know, even Gunther, the Intercontinental t- uh, you know, Champion, he was cheating last week. Wouldn't catch Sami Zayn the honorary use doing that, man. Did you even see that he was doing the honorary use so... in the ring? And then tried to do the try to do the hip attack as well. I I, I cringed when I saw that. By the way, it's <laughs> like, oh no. Um, yeah, it's like a two solo, like you said. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. Him playing along. Um, obviously he's the strong, silent type enforcer. So I like the fact that we're bringing this uh bringing this kid in. Um. He is obviously in there as the street fighter from the islands and, and um, this tough guy. And he's not meant to be doing this, but the fact that he's in there, in a, in a very real sense, he does and can learn from Sammy and his older brother here. These segments are going to help Solo for whenever he eventually dethrones the, the, the head of the table. Yeah, both in kayfabe and shoot, I think Solo is sitting under the learning tree of all these guys and Sammy and Jay can take a lot of little different things and help him in his development further to become just a a stronger, well-rounded character. But I think it's doing really well for Solo as well to, because we saw for a majority folks that may not be familiar with Solo, but then again, he's presented as this kind of like strong, silent type, like you mentioned. And he's just kind of sort of this imposing figure but for him to get little character beats, I think it was the couple Raws ago where they just randomly, Sammy was telling a story and, uh, you know, trying to get the guys to, to crack into joke. 
and then which ended with uh, Jay saying we're here for business because Roman's going to be on the, the season premiere. But like adding little bits of that, this little segment, you know, type of thing just adds adds more elements or kind of character beats to him. And I think it was just really good. So, but the the piece here just what really got me was the when when Jay asked Solo, did you see it? And him just not seeing it. And I could learn a lot from you, Us. And Jay's just like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious type of thing? That reaction, oh, that was the thing that sold it for me. It was the, the whole, what in the world are you talking about? I ought to slap you. kind. Of, it was like legitimately the look of death from Jay. I was like, ooh, Solo, that's so good. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. The timing, uh, the, the timing of this sort of, uh, segment was really good. Uh, I love the, you're welcome to the, I could learn a lot from you. Like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that one of these guys is, it's, it's going to be hard to root against, uh, one of these guys, honestly, whenever the eventual happens. And that is obviously Sammy has to put down Jay and, you know, kick him out of the bloodline. Either way, this is going to land. It's got me interested, harkening back to our first point about the Bray Wyatt story. I'm interested in more. I want to see where this goes. And that's the point. And again, mm-hmm. I like that a lot of this is happening in character beats. Obviously, these guys are just phenomenal wrestlers, of course, too, and have their own different styles. But it's, the, it's what you and I keep reiterating 21 episodes deep into this show. It's the story and it's those little beats that really get me interested and really want me to see what happens next and it's got me following along and looking forward to the next interactions and this is what's got going on and this definitely like you to hearken on a point you said before this has revitalized a little bit of that story where we had concerns about it getting long in the tooth but this little not quite deviation but this little sort of tangent in a sense has helped revitalize this bloodline story for sure for me oh 100 percent I don't think uh, that there could have been uh, another person added in quite like Sammy as well. Uh, he's really made this uh, part of his own because we, like you said, it was getting long in the truth because, well, Roman Reigns wasn't there a lot and it was the Usos having back-to-back bangers with, uh, you know, whoever it was. It was the Street Profits. It was Viking Raiders. It was whoever. It was um, RK Bro. Like, you know, they were doing the exact same thing, but they were they were the ones holding it down. And then we get actual story coming from the bloodline, and it's like watching a soap opera, and it's just it's just so much fun. Sometimes it's car crash TV, and we all know with car crash TV, you just can't look away. Um, and yeah, it's it has a hundred percent revitalized my interest in the group, and I hazard a guess it's hundred percent revitalized these guys' passions for actually being able to tell. Uh, a compelling story inside and outside the ring. 100% agree. So if you in, have been enjoying this particular storyline and the bloodline, and you're sensing the tension and possible turmoil, let us know down in the comments section below on YouTube, or let us know on Twitter, Instagram, what your thoughts are for possible turmoil in the bloodline. All right. 
right, coming up to quick hits here. For the folks that are sort of new to this segment, quick hits are little pieces or little segments or little moments that happen throughout the week in wrestling that we wanted to highlight and that we really enjoyed and to share the sort of pop the boy segments that we wanted to highlight here and just let you know that we enjoyed them, that we may not have got a chance to sort of full-fledged cover in the segments or the pieces earlier. So for me, it was the it was the bloodline stuff. It was the Sammy, it was the J. Like it has been for sort of the past couple weeks. We ended up turning it into a full-fledged segment. So those were kind of my pieces that I really enjoyed. So I don't uh specifically have a quick hit for this week, but Joker, I hear rumblings that you got some quick hits, brother. Yeah, I've got one or two or I've actually got three this week. Hey. Um, on top of, obviously, I love everything about the Bray Wyatt stuff. I loved everything about the, Us- the Usos and the Bloodline stuff. It's like this entire show is just like everything is my quick hit. Like I, I, I love this week in wrestling. Um, there was a lot of really good stuff. Um, but I do have three specific quick hits that I want to talk about. Sounds good. My first one, my first one here comes from Raw, and it's actually. In a segment before, just like slightly before the Ray versus Gable match, we pan over to an actor, Uli Latukefu, who plays Young Rock on the show. Young Rock obviously is getting garnering critical acclaim from everybody in that sphere. Uh, and it's really, really fun to see, you know, a, a nice little uh, nice little hand of somebody who's working outside but also within the sphere of wrestling. And it leads Corey Graves to say that he has been pondering who he might be able to play if he was to be able to get onto that show and compares himself to maybe an Undertaker. He could possibly play the Undertaker because he has this sort of physique. And on on commentary with him now is Kevin Patrick, who says, oh, get over yourself. Like, just literally just goes, oh, get over yourself. And then to which Corey just replies, how do you say shush in Irish? And then... Obviously, because Gable's in the ring, he just had to get that little bit in. Uh, to which Kevin replies, tough talk from a guy with a dog called Pancake. And I just creased. Honestly, it was the timing between these two. Corey Graves will be trying to get some digs in at uh, at Kevin Patrick. Kevin having none of it. Just solid job, Kevin. Made me laugh. And uh, an all-round amazing start to his tenure in... Uh, in in raw nice little moment there with because Corey graves traditionally known as sort of the heel commentator so would take obviously digs at byron saxton his one of his co-commentators but we have kevin patrick here just not taking any gruff again he was a backstage an uh interviewer but now shifting over to the announce desk and setting it straight Right from the get-go, yeah. you know what, I'm going to put you in your place, and, uh, you know, tough talk, again, coming from a guy's dog's name, Pancake, nice little moment there, it's like, I got exactly. you, brother, um, uh, if you if you want to roll, I can roll with you, brother, so very nice piece. Yeah. <laughs> Just, oh, get over yourself, and call it out the dog's name, I was yeah. like, oh, this is, this is good, I, I think I'm going to like their dynamic on uh, on Raw, so that's good, good stuff. Well played. My second quick hit is the very first cross-promotional quick hit. Okay. And you'll see what I mean in a wee second. 
on this past week's Raw, we had the DX 25th anniversary, and we see D Geriatric X come out to the ring, and everybody's just, you know, uh, pondering about the ring to their music, you know, looking like they have not aged very well. They legitimately haven't aged very well. Some of these boys are just kind of, especially HBK, all those super kicks have messed him up. But anyway, Road Dog goes to do his inter- introduction. He goes, Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and that. And then everybody joins in because, let's face it, everybody always joined in. So as he says his name, he goes, The Road Dog, Jesse James. And he, point, he just points the mic out to the crowd. And everybody just shouts back, I'm the badass Billy Gunn. And in the background, you just see HBK go behind his head. And as he says, and everybody's saying the badass Billy Gunn, and they're going, the new age outlaws, Corey Graves chimes in just straight after, goes, I hear the other guy is doing stuff with office equipment these days. I'm not so sure. The rest of the segment goes on. Not here to talk about that. We fast forward to Wednesday night's Dynamite in Toronto. Okay, okay. We're in AEW land. And funny enough, my notes here say Paddy ass, which is not right, but yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're skipping over that one. But Daddy ass makes his way to the ring, obviously accompanied by the acclaimed. And he's taking off his shirt. And the, the guys on commentary are like, oh, he looks so good. He looks so chiseled. And Taz comments, listen, guys, if you moved as, mu- as much office furniture as Billy Gunn, you too could have a physique like that. Obviously paying homage to the earlier comments of office furniture. But yeah, it was just a nice little nod that both kind of commentary teams uh, get to reference each other without sort of stoking too many fires. I really liked this. I thought it was nice. I knew we'd have to do something with the, the daddy ass with Billy Gunn in uh, the, the DX 25th anniversary. It was nice that it was mentioned. I did like the, we knew Sean or Hunter was going to do something like this here. Um, but Jed here, Taz kind of comment about the, <laughs> about the physique of daddy ass as well. It, it got me to pop. I like the fact that in the greater sphere of wrestling, like this is this is in kayfabe, this is in canon type of thing, you know, that both uh, sort of acknowledge, both companies acknowledged this piece mm-hmm. in regards to uh, Mr. The ass, the, furniture. the daddy ass himself. Yes, uh, very, very <laughs> nice type of thing. And I got to say to Taz's point, man, I think they mentioned he's like something like 58, 59 years old and dude's in Boy, phenomenal shape. So kudos oh, yeah. to kudos to Billy. Just again, just he's always been, you know, sort of athletic and, and type of thing, but he's just again for his age and type of thing, just out of control the the way he's in shape right now. Yeah, he's a big muscular man and he's uh he's he's just lucky that uh he has the genetics to kind of keep up like that. And uh also he moved a lot of office furniture. Agreed. My third quick hit for this week comes from AEW Dynamite. Not only am I doing three, not only do I have the cross-promotional, but I'm doing it 50-50 down the board, ladies and gentlemen. We have the TBS champ, Nyla Rose, being interviewed by Renee Packet of Crisps 
I mean, Rene Paquette, you know. Uh, whenever they, you know, whenever they come to Rene, she uh, kind of says, you know, this is this is Nyla Rose. And she goes, excuse me, we've got Vicky Guerrero here. Excuse me, you've got to introduce her as the TBS champion. To which Rene says, but she's she's not. With all due respect, she's not. Nyla kind of chimes in, going, aren't I though? Just kind of that high pitched going, aren't I though? I loved it. I just kind of looked at it and went, oh, finally, this is Queen Twitter troll Nyla Rose on my screens, and I'm here for it. And she goes, I know this is your first day on the job, but possession is nine tenths of the law. And to quote Stallone in that movie about judges, I am the law. Just you can see the face that she is having a laugh riot with this because she kept tweeting Jade Cargill to put specific movies on TBS because she's the TBS champion. So for her to reference movies that she wants to put on, on TBS, you know, come on, this is really good. So anyway, continuing on, Anna JAS decides she wants to interrupt Nyla. And go, excuse me, you know, I can, you know, I'm a sports entertainer and I would like to challenge you to a match on Rampage. Uh, to which, you know, Vicky begins to pipe up before Nyla interrupts her and goes, Vicky, 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 look, look, let's remix this. Like, legitimately, don't know if she meant to do this, but she killed it. Let's remix this and hits Anna with the, you know what, Anna JSS, JAS. Turn up on Friday at Rampage and I'll kick your ASS. And I was just like, done. She's the, she is the TBS champion. She at who? We've mentioned it before that Nyla and you specifically as well, that she's just, she's so good on Twitter. Like it's ridiculous. Again, it's the either a response to something or she'll just put out a little bit of like a coy tweet. She's been doing really well. And just kind of showing that you can just kind of have fun. You don't have to take yourself too serious and you can just you can just kill it with that. And then the notion of her just really reveling in the fact that she's quote unquote TBS champion. In fact, she's going to defend the belt. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. The fact that she ends up defending the belt on Rampage, you know, it was it was so good. Even the match that they did have, uh, she had security there. I don't know if you noticed, like, the, whatever they had the security, and then, you know, uh, Jade and the bodies came down, and the bodies were trying to get past security, and Jade just goes hell for leather. So it's going to be good. Um, I also like the part where Vicky held up the 1 and 0 sign for, uh, for Nyla now that she's 1 and 0 defending the uh, TBS belt. So, yeah, this is, um, this is how you do a feud. This is how you start a feud. Um, please don't mess this up. Because Nyla is Nyla's great. I think to further cement it, I think Nyla or Vicky released a little like promo photo of basically Nyla is one and oh as the on Twitter as a as the TVS champion. Just to further kind of twist the knife a little bit. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So uh, if anyone knows how to use Twitter to gain traction, it's gonna be Nyla Rose. So she is uh She's 100% going to do well. Dude, those were... You picked three winners right there. Again, those were fantastic. 
I just think like I had another one, but it just didn't pop me as much. So I was like, eh, kind of whatever. Um, I'll maybe get something next time. But yeah, like whenever you whenever you find something that you you kind of just go, oh yeah, no, hundred percent. You just have to go. Uh, you have you have to let everybody know because sometimes th- those little things like the Kevin Patrick bit probably like went over some people's heads. Like they didn't even pay attention to it because it was just a commentary thing. And even the little. If you're not watching both shows, you're not going to get the interpromotional banter. You're not going to get the references, uh, the office, you know, equipment. And then, if you're not kept up with who Nyla is on Twitter as well, like these are three things that I just think were understated from their beginnings. But uh, yeah, definitely pay attention to these uh, these little tiny segments as well. Agreed. And these are perfect examples of just a little quick hits again, just something that really pop joker and that he wanted to share and that were just really awesome that happened this week in the world of professional wrestling. So if you folks have little moments or quick hits from this week, definitely let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or on Twitter and Instagram and let us know what you enjoyed throughout this past week in professional wrestling. All right. That about wraps it up for us. Joker. How was that for you, man? We had uh, this one felt good as well, kind of like last week. Yeah, last week's was was really fun. This week, I think you know we're 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 hitting a we're hitting a stride where the last two weeks have felt really good. Um, the, the stuff coming out of uh, out of the WWE and AEW is looking pretty fun, and uh, yeah, it was such a pleasure to talk about it. Yeah, again, it's it's really nice when we can kind of pick and choose specific things that we just wanted to go with. Like, all right, there was a there was a couple things, but you know what? We want to sort of isolate these kind of things as sort of large talking points, but then also get to mention some stuff in quick hits. So I think it was really fun, and we're both excited to kind of see what's going to happen next with some of these storylines that again we mentioned in this episode. So for the first time, I'm. Kind of looking forward to watching some wrestling, like full-fledged something specific, as opposed to maybe just watching the show just to watch the show. Yeah, definitely. I know that whenever we started this, it was a case of we were, at the time, maybe having to force ourselves through some shows. And I know an awful lot of people were maybe lapsed fans and and uh, really had the same sort of feeling that they, they sort of had to drudge through the the dreary sort of rematch after rematch, the boring promos, you know, the it was absolutely ridiculous. But now, as we as we proceed, I definitely see us enjoying wrestling an awful lot more. Uh, from our early conversations to the conversations we had last night, you know, it's it's so much better. Um, and long may it continue. Yeah, for sure. So we appreciate everybody coming on along on this ride with us. And hopefully, like us, you enjoyed some of the things that are coming up and are looking forward to some shows and some storylines that are going to happen in the future. So, for TF Joker. My dog's name is not Pancake. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other. And we will catch you next time. Peace.